Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to discuss episode one, Glorious Purpose of Loki is... James Hunt. James, we're back on the Disney Plus train after a cold, dark five, six weeks in the wilderness. (laughs) (laughs) I think we kept people entertained. We read some comics, we did some Mark Miller, we watched some animated shows. Hopefully, uh, listeners, you enjoyed that that kind of gap in the regular programming. Um, I think it's fair to say we don't know whether that will be back. It depends what what Disney Plus do with their schedule. Um, they've yeah, got, right. I they've, think they've got a lot of shows on the docket. <laughs> I think What If is probably likely to be coming after this. Um, whether we do every episode of What If is an interesting question, or whether we combine them, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I. I would be shocked if they take up the level of discussion that these main Disney Plus episodes do. Yeah. Um, but there is also a lot. If it's anything like the comic, it will well. be. If it's anything like the What If comic, it's going to be a lot of uh, lot of interesting ways to learn how one small change will have killed everyone. <laughs> um, hey, well, one small change, James, is what kicks off Loki. <laughs> yes. Oh, what a segue. Nice segue. Well done. Um, so, yeah, episode one, Glorious Purpose. Uh, just to set this up slightly, uh, the show is uh, created by Michael Waldron, um, who seems to have come through the Dan Harmon um, kind of school. So he was a, an assistant writer on Community. He works on Harmon Quest, uh, wrote an episode of Rick and Morty, and now mm. is uh, and is also credited as one of the writers on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which that feels important. The first Doctor Strange movie also had uncredited rewrites from Dan Harmon. I think he came in and punched up that Dormammu sequence. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's who uh, Michael Waldron is, and then the director of um, of the series is Kate Heron, um, and Kate Heron, um, I think, has been uh, kind of. She her credits seem to be a lot of short films, and then uh, she directed four episodes of Sex Education in 2019, um, okay. and an episode of a show called Daybreak. Um, so, uh, kind of a, a couple of Netflix shows there, and then yeah, she is uh, she is the director of this whole first season of Loki. Um, James, initial thoughts on episode one? How do you how do, how do you feel after you know? 
as we said, that <laughs> month and a half in the wilderness, getting back to Disney Plus MCU with um, another six-episode miniseries after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm very happy with the prospect and with this show. It feels like everything I was hoping it would be, and it has washed away a lot of the uncertainty that surrounded you know, the future of Disney Plus after um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which was, let's face it, uneven at best. Yes. James, I am still worried after this first episode that Loki <laughs> that Loki will also be uneven. But I think what I, I, I kind of think that I've had my expectations met as well for, from an episode one, in so much mm-hmm. as, you know, we've we've been talking about these shows since they were announced, and when they announced Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I went, Ah, that seems like it's gonna be my least favourite show because I don't really like I certainly don't like Winter Soldier and I'm kind of, you know, ambivalent on Falcon. Mm-hmm. Whereas Loki, I was like, huh, I don't really know why they're bringing him back, but you know, if I get to spend <laughs> six hours of television with Tom Hiddleston, it will probably be, you know, it'll reach a base level of in- enjoyability. Yeah. Um, and watching this first hour, it was it. I was there going, yeah, okay, I, I like this. <laughs> this guy is so charismatic. He knows this character so well. He's having fun mm-hmm. with it from moment one. And um, because like my slight worries about it being uneven are like, are we going to be in the Time Variance Authority next week? Do I know what this show is going to be the whole way through from here? And I'm not sure I do and that it could go in different directions and it could be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier thing that they explained after the show, which was we're creating six movies that fit together as a season of television. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't want Loki to be that. I want it to be a. I want it to be a TV show. Yeah, I mean the the things that give me confidence in this are like obviously the performances are very charismatic, like from top to bottom. Um, the production design is really strong. Like the general aesthetic of the show is great. Just everything, everything in it has landed to the point where even if the writing is bad, I still think I'll enjoy it. I think the production design was undoubtedly the, the the like the MVP of episode one because yeah all of those rooms just seemed meticulously designed and like you know I I, I did get vibes of you know I think we t- I talked about this when the trailer aired um, of Jupiter ascending no not ascending Jupiter yeah no Jupiter ascending that is the Jupiter yeah, that, yeah. that I was thinking of <laughs> um, oh uh, spoilers for a TV show. Um, so listeners skip ahead if you haven't watched a very famous sitcom from the last uh, five years Um, spoilers for The Good Place Um, it reminded me of the The Good Place you know the guy sorry the guys that they have to get to to get to the real good place you know the Paul Shear group and the Mm. yeah the, the, the kind of like kind of ineffectual like kind of post office level work yeah yeah um, it did have that. It did have that vibe, didn't it? The sort of mundane office workers who are also, you know, controlling immense forces. Well, yeah, the, and and this idea of you know, especially I, I think in the good place as well, you've been building yourself up to like, the, you know, an, a, a show that has been going. This is the good place. Oh no, it's not. Oh, now we want it. Now we need to get to the real good place, and then when you get there, and I, I think there's that sense here that there is this built up thing of like. 
you know, everything in the first half hour of the show is going like you can't understand how powerful everything here is, how impressive this is. Uh, mm-hmm. Infinity stones don't work. Your god magic doesn't work. We can literally snap you forward and back in time. You, and and actually, everything that you ever have done or will done is predetermined. There is a set timeline that's that's doled out for you, and we're the ones that make sure that happens. Um, and then to to kind of contrast that with like, take a ticket. Here is a here is like an yeah. air, airport <laughs> queuing system. Here is a chintzy like eighties style um animated explain it all like that <laughs> that stuff's all nice and then and then yeah the the, the real like militant bureaucracy of it all as well mm-hmm. so i uh, yeah i think the the production design really sells that all, all of those rooms i thought were really well thought out um i liked him kind of falling through the um falling through the different rooms at the start and there was <laughs> yeah and, and and that I think is probably something that they realised was quite funny from Doctor Strange. Uh, no, it wasn't Doctor Strange, was it? From Thor Ragnarok when Loki gets dragged through Doctor Strange's different rooms mm-hmm. and eventually falls. Um, <laughs> clearly, clearly, the MCU has realised on numerous occasions that it's fun to just toss Tom Hiddleston around. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun to have Loki do some pratfalls. Yeah. Um, the other thing, James, just a little, a little bit more broadly, I guess that that I think took away from this episode slightly was just the pure volume of exposition because there is a lot of exposition. There is a lot of exposition. I was saying to a friend earlier, I sort of loved it. <laughs> like, I just, I like that this isn't trying to set the scene with some relatable geopolitics, you know. It's not trying oh. to not trying to show us who the bad guys with guns are. It's just like we're going to sit in a room and we're going to talk about all the crazy stuff that is happening and all the crazy stuff we're going to do. You see, I, I think I'm fine with all of the exposition of this is how the TVA works and this is the history of the Time Lords and stuff. But uh, uh, the Timekeeper, sorry, Time Lords is a different show. Um, the 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 like literally let's start out with that scene from end game <laughs> that was yeah. it's that was itself a rework of the avengers that we then see again as it's shown to loki as a bunch of other scenes that we've seen before are shown to loki to kind of explain to him all right this yeah, is this is this is who you were up to this point this is who you were beyond this point and i'm going as an audience member i know i've seen them all <laughs> you, you guys make me see them all <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It did. It was a bit like, wow, they started with a clip show. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, but I, I, I sort of see why they did it. Um, I do, but I, I think it's tricky when there is so much of the exposition of this world that you need to get through. That to add mm-hmm. all of that exposition on top, and I, you know, I, I do think they obviously tried to think of creative ways around it, and it didn't all happen in one chunk. Um, I definitely personally could have done without the pre, the you know the the flashback to Endgame at the start. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like. Give me, give remember me, that movie you just watched? Here's that scene from it, just so you know where we are. Because, like, as well, it, I kind of feel, feel like this when, I, you know, when when decisions are made, like um, a show turns up on Netflix or a show turns up on DVD that originally aired on TV and it's still got its act breaks in. And you're thinking, yeah. oh, well, just like 
yeah, just just be a bit more like maybe you don't need to repeat the start of the line of the next scene. But I guess that, <laughs> that's how it originally aired. But I kind of felt like that, like you're 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 showing this on Disney Plus. If you need to, ca- if I'm someone who hasn't seen Avengers Endgame, or if I'm someone that hasn't seen these, like curate a, a, the sh- the films you need to watch before Loki list that's on Disney yeah. Plus that I can click on, or do or- a two minute. Yeah. Clip, clip thing that, you know, is episode zero or something. Yeah, like, I remember when the final season of Lost was about to start and, like, Sky created a, like, all of mm. Lost in 48 minutes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was, you know, I'm sure it would have been absolutely mad to experience the show that way. But then, you know, this is your delivery method and Disney Plus was always going to be your delivery method. There are, mm-hmm. there are other, you know, you could have avoided the exposition. <laughs> Yeah, part of me thinks the reason they did that was because they wanted to give you glimpses of stuff that you enjoyed while they were doing the exposition, because it was like they would have some stuff about the TVA, and then you would see a scene that had Thor in it, and you'll be going, oh, hey, it's Loki and Thor. And like that was that was something, actually, that made this feel a bit more special compared to the Marvel TV shows, which is that they were allowed to have Iron Man in it, even in stock footage. Um, I... I- could tell who they weren't allowed to have it in it, though. <laughs> Go on. No Robert Redford, conspicuously. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you know what? I bet, I bet that is as well. Because do you remember, he'd, like, he'd, he'd, like, he was retiring from acting. It was like the, the I think it was, was it All Is Lost was going to be his last role? Or, no, no, The, yeah, the Old yeah. Man and the Gun. And That's it, yeah. Um, and then it was like, oh, no. And also, he has actually filmed this cameo in Endgame that's going to air afterwards. And so, like, that, that will, his legacy will be that was his final screen performance. I wonder whether it, <laughs> I wonder whether it had been a bit much to go. And again, in Disney Plus's yeah. Loki. <laughs> but I did think that was funny that most, most everyone was visible, but not Redford. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so well, let's let's dive into it scene by scene, James, because we we have just you know rehashed scene one, um, and <laughs> <laughs> we then cut to Loki being flung by the Tesseract into a kind of random desert. Um, he like in front of the locals there stands up and gives this speech about his glorious purpose. He's burdened with a glorious purpose, and he's going to do X, Y, Z, and they're like, huh, oh, what? Um, and then the TVA turn up. Um, and so they are led by, uh, a a character who recurs quite a lot through this episode. It's, uh, her name is Wanmi Masako. She is playing Hunter B-15, who is a high-ranking hunter in the TVA. Um, TVA being the Time Variance Authority, as I'm sure everyone listening, uh, knows by this point. Um... And she turns up and slaps this collar around his neck, and it's a it's a it's a very quick like look how powerful these guys are. You know, it's a, it it just took all the Avengers to take down Loki, and she slaps a these collar guys around do it his in neck. seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's the Zack Snyder collar because it makes you go in slow motion. <laughs> he goes in one sixteenth speed, and I thought I, I I did think as well that this was quite a, a like I was like oh so. As soon as his face started rippling, I was like, right, okay, is this the tone of the show? It's it, it, it's going to be leaning more into the comedy than, mm-hmm. than I guess either of the... I know I know, WandaVision was a sitcom, 
but it was kind of like a, a creepy sitcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that maybe Loki is going to be a little bit more light, light-hearted, given that in this opening scene, his face is rippling. Um, so she takes him back to the Time Variance Authority, and then he gets kind of shunted through all these rooms. Um, the first room, James... Um, sorry, I've pronounced that wrong. The first room is where he has his uh, clothes removed. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a, a little flashback to that scene from High Rise with um, <laughs> with a very naked, naked and very chiselled Tom Hiddleston. And, um, you know, I appreciate what they did for the fans. <laughs> Do you want to weigh in on shirtless Hiddleston or should we just move on? I, I was very impressed by him. I was like, wow, for one scene, he has stayed in shape. <laughs> um, so he then gets dropped through that room um and uh, lands that now in his kind of prisoner garb, um, where he, uh, where we see the scene that was kind of like this, the the showstopper in the trailer to an extent, <laughs> which is where he has to sign every word that he's ever said. And yeah, that's that's the kind of gleeful bureaucracy stuff, isn't it? Printing out every word and then a little bit more. I really, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought that was a very good joke. I think that there, there must be some more stuff that I'm thinking. Like so, uh, I don't know, like Terry Gilliam's Brazil's coming to mind as oh, well. I was about to say it's got shades of Brazil. It's got shades of Douglas Adams to it. Just yes, the, yes. the like contempt for bureaucracy and the kind of oppressively regimented banality of it all. Uh, yeah, Douglas Adams is a is a a good shout there as well. Like that. The, that's the entire vibe of kind of the first, the, the opening segment of Hitchhikers, mm-hmm. isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, I, I well, I don't know. It's a bypass. I, I know it sucks yeah. that, you, that your world's here, but it, it's... Uh, <laughs> people need roads, so... Yeah, and, and you know, we are the people that just get that done. And can you please not make my life difficult? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So he then goes through that room and then he goes into another room where he is questioned on whether he is knowingly a robot. And then he says, do a lot of people not know if they're robots? <laughs> I bet a lot of people don't know if they're scrolls. <laughs> um, but I thought that that's a fun little Marvel Easter egg, isn't it, right? That, that there are probably life model decoys around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess not not Loki though because he doesn't he doesn't melt when he goes through it. <laughs> and then James we get to the first um I think this is probably you know for for all of the you know all of this is kind of like a, a completely new realm for the MCU to effectively have this. I mean because they're kind of, I know they're not watchers but they're kind of like watchers aren't they in that they are like sitting above the rest of existence almost kind of keeping it in check. Yeah, and then Miss Minutes, this animated character voiced by Tara Strong. <laughs> Tara Strong, I was watching it, going, "Is that is that Tara Strong?" And it absolutely was. Who is like you know one of the titans of voice acting? Um, yeah, she's been everything. My yeah. Little Pony. Uh, she was uh, was she Harley Quinn? Uh, I can read you from her Wikipedia page. She's done a she's bunch in. of Batman stuff. Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, Rugrats, The Powerpuff Girls, The Fairly Old Parents, uh, Shaolin Showdown, Ben 10, Chowder, Wow Wow Whoopsie, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Unikitty, and DC Supergirls. 
And video games such as Mortal Kombat X, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Jack and De- uh, Jack and Daxter, Final Fantasy X, X2, Blue Dragon, and Batman Arkham. You've definitely heard her voice before, is what I'm yes. saying here. <laughs> um, and she is very fun as Miss Minute here, who is a little animated clock, who is going to... Um, uh, give Loki a bit of a, a, a kind of a jet. It's one of those like friendly voice to remind you not to step the fuck out of line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, she kind of says, right, you're here because you are a time variant. You stepped off of the, uh, of the main timeline and uh, we need to do something about that. You've broken time law essentially. And then she gives us a little history lesson. And this James, I thought was kind of the, the real, the big stuff that I imagine will come to play later in this series, maybe, you know, maybe will go on to be quite important in phase four and beyond of the MCU is that a long time ago, there was a multiversal war and that all of the different timelines in the universe battled for supremacy. And then she says the all knowing timekeepers emerged. So not that they were, like, created or not that they, like, you know, stepped... It's like that that they'd just been sat back there and went, oh, no, no, we will fix this. Um, And they they created the path, and which is a, a single timeline that all of the multiverses flow through. So there are still all of these multiverses. There are multiverses out there, but everyone... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, the the vibe I got from this was that there are multiple timelines and they all exist, but the TVA's job is to prevent them straying too far from being similar to the other ones. Yeah. And, and, and maybe even that it would be cool to hop between them, but it's not, it's not cool to create a new one almost. Mm-hmm. Or to, or, or, well, if you, if you divert, make one diverge from the others too far, they will come and prune it because they don't want anything sufficiently different from the existing from the you know the prime timeline whatever they call it the sacred timeline and what i thought was interesting about this which is slightly different from what i thought the what i thought the the you know the the setup of the show would be is that it isn't that loki has um because i i thought that it would be like oh because there's two versions of you you this one now can't exist mm-hmm. but it seems to be that no by by existing you you cause a difference and we can't allow that to happen because the main timeline exists and so and and i also thought that you know like well then other people who are time traveling or messing with the timeline like the avengers would be at fault and it's like no no, no we're, we're, we're happy with what they they've been doing it's literally just you you are the problem yeah, time um, travel's allowed, but you're not allowed. Yeah, and and it sets up particularly this this kind of interesting vibe for the timekeepers because we uh, I'll skip ahead to scene because I think that this is all relevant in there. Um, Loki is kind of tried in front of um, this character called Ravona Renslayer, who is played by Gugu and Bathoraw, and. Um, Loki's Loki kind of starts firing questions back at her and she's like and he's like well what can I speak to these timekeepers no well what are they doing they are dictating the proper flow of the timeline and what are you doing I'm doing what they tell me and so it seems like that the setup of the TVA is that they are kind of enforcing this timeline that has been set in stone but that maybe we don't know why it has been set in stone 
Um, and, and, and are these timekeepers necessarily these benevolent forces who saved the multiverse? Or are they actually people trying to keep it on a predestined path for some reason? And- yeah, I mean, part of, part of me wonders, are they going to deal with that? Or are they just going to say, like, no, this is the setup. Let's not let's not trouble ourselves with what the logistics are. It could go either way. I'd be very surprised if we don't have at least one scene of Loki confronting them at some point. I do wonder if it's going to be a big deal about who they are. I mean, maybe it's possible that's just because I'm, you know, used to the comics where the timekeepers are always around and no one pays much attention. I I just thought when I was watching this, the, the idea of from both a storytelling point of view and like a, a real world point of view, right? Every, Everyone strives for free will. We want we want to believe we have free will and that we have you know uh, that we have the the kind of you know that our actions and our decisions are ours and that they're not following some predestined thing. And I think mm-hmm. that to, to 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 sit back and go, oh, you know, all this MCU stuff that you're watching, um, they're all just play, you know, they're all just playing out uh, the directions that these bureaucrats are setting. And actually, yeah, all of that stuff that just happened in the Avengers and Thanos and this and that—it's all—it's all because it's, all it's destined to happen, and they're not heroes. You know, I, I just think it takes some, it takes something away from it, and I wonder whether actually, like, rather than Loki going, "Okay, I'm going to be the good soldier and um, and I'm going to work for the TVA," that actually what he might serve as is the liberator here. You know, that he's he's who liberates. Um, the MCU from the Time Lords, uh, from the Timekeepers, kind of, <laughs> and kind of brings back free will to the universe. Yeah, it, I mean, it's possible they could go that way. The sort of the way I look at it is, you don't necessarily have to believe everything you're being told. Like, certainly the TVA likes to believe it's in control, but do we know that? I mean, hmm. it could it could just be part of the sort of wider tapestry of the show, and it's not the experience of the characters in the movies is still that they're they have free will and that they do what they choose so you know it it doesn't bother me too much if they leave that unaddressed it's not gonna it's not gonna break anything for me it it bothers me (laughs) it does (laughs) and like the, the level of their power bothers me as well um you know like that like I do think that, you know, there's something joyous about seeing that draw, draw full of infinity stones and like, <laughs> I've probably cackled as paperweights. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but you've asked me to invest so heavily in that stuff that I don't, I kind of don't want there to be a level of this world that is just like, yeah, none of this matters. Yeah. But again, like I say, it's only if you, as long as you, if you buy into what you're being told, then fair enough. But you could equally just say, well, that's their perspective. Okay, right. So uh, going back to the timekeepers, James, mm-hmm. do you think one of them is Kang? Mm, no, Kang's MO is massively counter to the kind of thing timekeepers do. So what is, what is Kang's MO? Kang's thing is that he wants to, you know, rule everything um, and that he is willing to time travel to do it. But but if you know if for instance the timekeepers are not benevolent, that they are evil and that and that they are keeping you know that that by enforcing that timeline they're enforcing their rule and their what they want. 
I mean, historically, right, the timekeepers, I'm, I'm going by what happens in the comics here, but historically the timekeepers thing is just, you know, we, we don't want uh, people messing with the flow of time too much. Mm-hmm. If you if you cause too much trouble, they might turn up and sort it out. Although often they don't. <laughs> Certainly in the comics, they don't turn up that often. Um, it, it's more like like there's no there's no morality attached to what they do. They are more like just the custodians of the timeline. Um, they don't have their own agenda as such. Mm. Like one of the things they did do was recruit Immortus, who is a future version of Kang who retired. Um, in, you know, a version of that story, they got Immortus and they said like, you have to clean up all the mess you made as Kang, which, you know, I thought, I thought about when they hired Loki in this episode. Um, so I kind of, uh, what you've just described is the vibe I got from the people who were actually working at the TVA, mm-hmm. but I got such sinister overtones from the timekeepers and, <laughs> and like I say, like I, I just, the, the idea that there are just these three beings who are deciding, yes, we, this, this is the timeline. We keep it in check. I kind of feel like that. And, and, and knowing, you know, Loki as a character, I, I just can't imagine that this six episodes are, are him going off and just working for the TVA and working with Owen Wilson. Um, and, and it did. It, it totally. Uh, sorry, I was just going to quickly say it did remind me of that Agent of Asgard's arc that we read, and where where you kind of had in that obviously you had multiple Lokis, but you had like Loki ostensibly being an agent of Asgard while also working his own double bluff in the background, whilst a different Loki was kind of working his own double bluff on him. Yeah, and I and I and I did think that you know you know to, to skip forward to, towards the end of this episode there was an implication that there might be multiple Lokis out there within, you know, this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and could, could that be something that, you know, we, we almost need to, we almost need to be watching the show as like a, yeah, who's bluffing and double bluffing and who's double crossing who at any one. Life is full of awesome. What ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United healthcare provides health protector guard, fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Moment. Yeah, I think it's it's entirely 
borderline certain that Loki is going to be double crossing someone at some point. <laughs> I would be very unsurprised if he goes on to meet the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. What I expect is that when he meets the timekeepers, they will not be like these all powerful, malevolent sort of godlike figures. There would just be, you know, some guys who are like, oh, you know, we just found this garden and we weed it. You know, we just, we keep it tidy. Okay. And that's the, that's the full extent of their morality. This this seems like a, a, a good um, moment for us to plant our flags then. So I am, <laughs> I am saying timekeepers, bad, must be overthrown. Loki's the person that's going to make it happen. You're saying timekeepers, boring and kind of unimportant. Yeah. And I think Loki might try and overthrow them, but then he'll get there and be like, oh, actually, these guys are no trouble to anyone. <laughs> Um, so in between the, the, the Loki and Timekeeper lore scenes, uh, we, uh, are introduced to Owen Wilson's, um, Mobius. <laughs> to Owen Wilson. Yes, to Owen Wilson doing, I mean, I actually thought that this is, this seems like quite a fun, <laughs> quite a fun character role for him because he's kind of like, yeah, he's got the Owen Wilson draw, which is kind of on losable you know he's always going to bring that but i quite i quite liked him as this like more like like he did have that kind of just everyday cop kind of vibe to him which i don't think is a role that i've really that i'd really associate with him um and i thought uh, yeah I, i could spend six episodes with this guy yeah definitely i thought he him and loki interacted really well um Again, I like the juxtaposition of this sort of mid-manager sort of dealing with, you know, a guy who thinks he's the predestined ruler of the universe. Just the the Tash, and I know he's, he's uh, drinking that uh, cola that only 90s kids will get. <laughs> um, but, like, I just like the, the vibe of him with the moustache and the way he walks into this. It, like, it just does have that very, like, police procedural, like, okay, what is it this week? Yeah, mm-hmm. fine, fine, whatever. Um, and like you know, again, like these, this ultimate place of bureaucrats. He kind of is like, ah, you'll get used to it. Like, oh yeah, this, 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 yeah, none of the shit's remarkable. Just can we, <laughs> can we skip ahead? Um, I liked his interrogation of Loki, where he was like, "Okay, so you rule the world, and then what?" Yes. <laughs> like, what, what's your plan then? And I think that kind of that that very laid back Owen Wilson vibe works well alongside Tom Hiddleston being as big as he needs to be when he's like Yeah, being the Shakespearean villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that yeah, they're fun counterparts. So we're introduced to him in France, fifteen forty nine. Uh there has been uh, a bunch of um timekeeper uh, well T V A agents who have been killed. Uh they've been stabbed and the chat is that it's the same person who's done this six other times and has been stealing the reset charges. Uh, the reset charges being kind of what they use to reset the timelines when they go in. So it seems like, James, there is someone out there who is luring agents in for the purpose of stealing the charge. Mm-hmm. I don't, and uh, I don't know if you've got any theories there about what what the, what the aim of this person might be. Uh, I'm going to say collect enough charges to blow up the TVA. Erase it from history, undo all their changes. Or or blow a hole in the timeline or something like that. Yeah. 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 
I think I, I think the logic is of this show. If you if you were to wipe out the TVA, you would also wipe out all the changes that have happened as a result of them, and therefore restore the universe to some kind of you know normality, some kind of un unmeddled with state, and that's so the, the, that's so, the goal. So the villain of the show in this Marvel Shades of Grey villains that we're now following the villain <laughs> the villain would be the villain who wants to do what i want to do which is go no restore free will stop yes. these fuckers from <laughs> from ruling <laughs> from like with their invisible hand i know what it's just reminding me of the adjustment bureau what a great movie with matt Damon. <laughs> i think i'm the one person who thought that was uh, no i really had um what's his face howard stark was in it wasn't he uh sure uh uh, Trevor Slattery. No, Trevor Slattery yeah. is the no. It's no. Trevor Slattery is the MCU character. John Slattery. <laughs> John Slattery. John yeah. Slattery. Anthony Mackie's in it as well as one of the yeah. one of the adjustment bureau agents. They um, had the hats. It's a good film oh, based God. on the Philip K. Dick story. Do we need to do um, a Patreon episode on the adjustment bureau? <laughs> oh, they all wear. I mean, it's not been a comic yet, but damn it. Well, maybe maybe I'll do a spin-off podcast where I do the adjustment bureau every week. Um <laughs> good movie though, guys. It gets it gets too much it got a lot of criticism at the time. I've I mean it's a Philico Dick adaptation and they're never as good as the stories they're adapting. But Yeah, but the chemistry between Damon and Blunt. Oh it is a palpable. it is a good movie. Um, I agree. So, so anyway, sorry for that adjustment bureau uh, <laughs> riff. Um so yeah that I wonder whether, yeah, the villain is then someone who kind of wants to do what I want to do, wants to do what Matt Damon in the Adjustment Bureau wants to do, <laughs> which is just have some damn free will. Um, so uh, Mobius uh, goes to speak to this little girl who's on the on the scene, and she points at this like devil man in uh, the stained glass window. And what was I thinking, James? I was thinking, oh, God. Probably the same thing about 50 pop culture sites made into an article, which is, is the guy in the window Loki? No, it's not. Oh, no. So what I said, what I was thinking was, God, we're not doing Mephisto again. Mephisto, sorry. Sorry, Mephisto. Mephisto. (laughs) (laughs) Please, I I, I can't go through that roller coaster again. (laughs) I I I know who the the man in the window is. It's Paul Bettany. They've said up front is definitely not Mephisto. So right, I've learned okay. from their past. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't read that, but that's good. Um, so yeah, there was this red devil man in the window and uh, then he seems to have given this little girl this like, it's called Kablooey Blueberry. This like blue bubble gum. Mm-hmm. No idea what to make of that, but. Feels like I think it. it's just it's anachronistic, right? the The point is, he's a time traveler because he's given her some chewing gum in fifteen eighty two or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, fifteen thirty four, something, something like that. Wait, about, half, about half, about half past three. Fifteen forty nine. There you go. Ten to four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes we, we are both dads. <laughs> we cut from uh, that to the courtroom scene that ends with Loki trying to do some magic figuring out that he can't he's about to be sentenced and then Mobius comes in and saves him and goes off and that's when the interrogation starts and yeah it, it was what you said before he's quizzing him on what he want you know he's like what do you want what what is your aim and I thought this <laughs> thought this was quite a good scene of like if you read it uncharitably to go well, yeah, everything Loki has done has been kind of pointless. <laughs> 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 but 
But I, th- I think as an MCU viewer, and, you know, when it gets spelled out, well, I, you know, I want to... And especially for this version of Loki, right, coming off the back of yeah, the Avengers. Yeah. Like, so this character we had seen in Thor and the Avengers, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And at this point in his arc, this character's vibe was basically... <sighs> I wanted to rule Asgard, and I wasn't allowed because Thor was the favourite child, and then I find out I'm bloody adopted anyway, and I just want to lash out and hurt people because I feel like I'm not loved the way that I should be loved. Yeah. Why, why is he the golden child, and why am I? And and I do think there's something interesting to that as well with this, you know, the predestination angle of this series, that, you know, like... Does that does that kind of feed into all of Loki's neuroses to begin with? That like it's because I was Lauf- it's yeah, and they they repeat Laufey's son in this, don't they? But is it it's because I was Laufey's son and not his son? So I was I could I could never be what Thor was. Yeah, and I think that that kind of I think it's interesting for. Um, Owen Wilson to be interrogating him on like, like, look, what what did you want? What did you want to do? What did you want to achieve? And, you know, I'm trying to figure out what makes you tick. And interrogating him whilst also saying, but none of it mattered. Because yeah, you, did, I mean, you, did, you did these things because you were supposed to. It was interesting to me that Loki almost didn't know. Hmm. Because, like, the, the real reason is, you know, that he, want, he wanted respect and he wanted acknowledgement. But he was just going like, no, I want a kingdom of my own. Well, and also the thing that that they that Mobius says to him right at the end is that when is when Loki admits, you know, look, that the, these are why I did those things. He's like, what you really wanted was control, mm-hmm. and so to to kind of position that as that character's main objective, main want in life as control, and then do all of the stuff about you know, all of this is predestined. It's an interesting setup for a character to go. This character has just had the the thing that he is saying he's been striving for taken away from him, and that's why that's why I really do think that the series can't be him then going, "Okay, now I will start to do missions for the TVA." I think he might pretend to, but I think it all has to be this double bluff. I I agree that he'll. I agree with you up to that point. My my the thing I question is whether he'll succeed in bringing them down or not. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that that remains to be seen, I guess. Um, so, yeah, this is when Mobius shows him his greatest hits. So we watch him getting captured by the Avengers, him stabbing Coulson. <laughs> uh, I did, I did think, oh, are they going to canonically say? And even that didn't stick because Coulson's still alive. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. No, <laughs> I was watching for it, and they didn't. So Agents of Shield did not get its moment in the sun there. No. Um, and then James, I think it settles a debate about uh, a, a scene from the Avengers that we've been arguing about in this podcast. And I can't remember who thought what, but me and you and Seb definitely had various debates about that eyeball scene. Mm-hmm. And and whether the eyeball was removed or whether it was just scanned. Was scanned, yeah. Well, I always thought it was scanned, but then Owen Wilson says he liberated the eyeball. Yeah, I always thought it was removed. Right, so you there you there you go, one nil James on that one. <laughs> I, I was I always thought, nah, he can't have removed the eyeball. That's too that's too horrid. Um, and Mobius says to him, like, look at you, you're smiling, you're enjoying it. Why are you, like, why are you <laughs> this like is, this? This isn't mischief. Yeah, this is, 
this is, you're just a shit. Like this, <laughs> this, this is sociopathic. Like what's what's going on? And I then mean, sort of James is going to go on. Sorry, I was sorry. I was going to say like sort of the point of these scenes is to to try and speed Loki's character development through all the stuff we've learned, right? Mm. So that's what he's starting to do at this at this point. Yeah, I guess it, there there is there is there is that sense of this episode kind of needs to end with this being kind of being the Loki that we know as well, not undoing all of that character development. Um, then there's the weird moment and kind of like the only new thing that we see is the D.B. Cooper scene from the trailer, which again, watching the trailer, I thought, okay, so one of the episodes is going to be he's on a mission and he has to, and he ends mm-hmm. up being D.B. Cooper. But it's a flashback scene and it's, and he says like, oh, I lost a bet to Thor. Um, the thing he says, right, is I was young and I lost a bet to Thor. And I'm like, it's 1971. How young were you? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not very young, is it? That's in, not very young, yeah. In in Asgardian years. No. Um, it also, like, that, him losing a bet to Thor and doing that kind of felt like a Thor Ragnarok version of Loki rather than a... The, this version of Loki, but I, yeah. it just it just felt so random and, and dropped in there that it did make me think: is that is that a scene from his past, or is that something that we're going to return to and is going to end up being in some of this like weird time travelly double double crossing stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I feel like I've ranted about this before. I've certainly tweeted about it recently, which is that. American TV show writers, I don't know whether it's all of America, but they have this fascination with the D.B. Cooper mystery that has just never crossed the Atlantic. Yeah. Like everyone in the rest of the world goes, what the hell is this? And they have to go and read a Wikipedia page to get up to speed. I, only, like, I literally only know about it because it was that Mad Men theory, wasn't it? <laughs> that Tom yeah, it was, was, a, it was a Mad Men theory. It was the basis for the money in prison break. Um, it was in Leverage. It's been in Loki. It's been in other stuff that I'm probably forgetting. Like it just, it turns up in all these different places as if it's a massive deal that you're supposed to know about. And it's a bit like, you know, not, not everyone is that fascinated by this massive mystery. (laughs) It certainly hasn't like, I think it's like, you know, the, like the American version of the great train robbery, right? It's not, or like I don't know. Wanna... I feel like it's more like Lord Lucan or something. Yeah, maybe. Or like Shergar, I don't know. Just yeah. a, just yeah. a, a criminal enterprise that that mattered in this know. country, but didn't necessarily. Yeah. Make waves overseas. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, my uh, my eyebrow was raised, going that just seems a little bit a little bit weirdly inserted in. That I I do wonder whether that was actually a flashback or whether that is. Yeah, whether, I, there is, whether, just... there, whether there is already a future version of Loki that's out there futzing with the timeline, and <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's uh, something that Americans find more fun than we do, and probably won't come up again. Right. Okay. Second flag has been planted. I think. We'll back to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, so then, uh, Mobius has this little time wheel thing that he's using to kind of control Loki and kind of like move him back slightly in time. Um, which he's is using the thing around his neck. Um, he then shows him some of the future stuff. He shows him Frigga's death and shows him that that was his responsibility. You know that he was that that he 
was destined to be responsible for his mother's death, obviously, in scenes that we saw in Thor The Dark World. And then he says, you were born to cause pain and suffering and death, all that so also that others can achieve their best versions of themselves. Um, and then there's another flash of the Avengers. Um, so that- <laughs> the thing I thought was funny is over the over the phrase best versions of themselves it has the crappy captain america costume <laughs> that is funny. I was like was that the best version was it I'm not sure about that um so then loki uh, the, the, the that hunter character comes in to talk to uh mobius and loki manages to escape um he goes to try and steal the tesseract he has a little bit of fun um Fun back and forth with Eugene Cordero, who is I don't know about you, James. Just he's one of those faces. In fact, talking about the mm-hmm. good, the good place, he was a recurring was. character on the Good Place. Uh, Crazy ex girlfriend. Um, he is in um, John Vogt Roberts movies. Uh, yeah, so he's he's been in a bunch of stuff. You'll probably recognise his face. He's got a funny shtick here, which is that he is like. He's as much of a bureaucrat as everyone else, but he's the clueless bureaucrat that gets stuck on reception doing nothing important. <laughs> he was created to sit at a desk, and so he doesn't have a frame of reference or anything outside that. Yes, so there's there's a, uh, some fun, there's some fun jokes about him not understanding what a fish is, and then there's that scene with the Infinity Stones in his desk, um, which I thought Tom Hilson played that really well. I thought he had a couple of those moments throughout this episode where he has these kind of realizations of like the scope of what he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think that was probably my favorite of them. Yeah. Cause you got that sense, didn't you? That like he, he comprehended in that moment, the scale of what he was up against and that actually there's no point having this fight. Like Thor would have kept fighting, but Loki's more pragmatic and goes, I know. Okay. I, I need to solve this some other way. Yeah, and so he goes back to the room and he watches then the rest of his future scenes then on his own. Um, and these are the ones that seem to make a real impact on him. And I was thinking, hey, Mobius, maybe you should have uh, you should have led with these ones. <laughs> should have started with this, yeah. <laughs> so he watches Odin's death. He watches him fighting alongside Thor. And then he watches his own death. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought all of that stuff was kind of, you know, like reasonably affecting. I thought, yeah, again, like this is the, this whole stretch from Hiddleston I thought was pretty good. Um, and as you say, kind of brings that character up to speed as well then with, you know, with what we as an audience know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at least, at least by that point, we're all on the same page and hopefully we don't need to go back over any of that again. <laughs> um, and then there's the, uh, the hunter b15 character comes back and he kind of manages to get the collar on her neck instead of his and zips her forward and backwards in time i thought this was a bit like oh can we can we get can we get back to mobius now Mm -hmm. he escapes he's back in the room now she's got the collar yeah yeah okay right let's let's keep things moving um mobius does eventually get back and that's when Loki says that he doesn't employ, enjoy inflicting pain. He does it because he has to, had to, um, that it's part of the illusion. Uh, it's a cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire, in, inspire fear. And yeah, that's when Mobius says, yeah, you crave control. Um, so yeah, I think that that point there is a nice setup for the series. Um, 
Again, James, my slight nervousness with some of this is um, that that this might be similar to Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one, right? Where we've done all of this and this is fun, but that's it now. And actually, a 50-minute episode could have been 30, but it wasn't because we need to stay in this one place for the 50. Because I I did think there was a, like a significant bit of fat in this episode. Yeah, I was. There were bits where I was like, if this was a movie, they could have done this in fifteen minutes and achieved the same amount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you think about you think about Thor Ragnarok, for example, and you know, like I I, I did think that maybe Loki dropping through all of the rooms and you know, with the smiling face and stuff, whether that was a little bit of a nod to the Willy Wonka sequence in Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, yeah, in in Ragnarok, you kind of, you just get kind of like, it doesn't pause and do exposition for 10 minutes. It just pushes him through there and it kind of allows itself to be an assault on the senses. And then you get to the next person and the next person might, you know you know, the Grandmaster might give over some information, but we've spent 30 seconds with Thor going through and getting his hair cut rather than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I I did. That's, again, my slight concern was that it was a bit baggy. Um, but then I thought that the, the final stuff in the episode was interesting. So Mobius basically says, look, I want you to work for me. Uh, I need you to help me hunt this other variant. He is going around murdering people in different points of the timeline. And Loki's like, all right, but why would that interest me? And he's like, because the variant we're hunting is you. Mm. But then we we flash to 1858 in Oklahoma. And some more agents are killed by this variant who is hooded and unrevealed. And... Um, it's mentioned briefly that he has tech from the early third millennium. Does that mean the early 3000s, James? Am I being thick? <laughs> I was, part of me was feeling a bit pedantic and going like, yeah. what, from the early 2000s? But no, I think... Yeah. I think they I mean, think the they mean from the 3000s, yeah. Yes, okay. So we've got, some, <laughs> we've got someone using tech from a thousand years in the future and their face is shrouded. So my question is, do you think that that hoodest figure is Loki? I think it is a future version of Loki, yeah. Uh, do you, does that mean you think it is Tom Hiddleston Loki? I think it is Richard E. Grant. Oh, yes. Okay. So I I wonder whether we are going to meet various different versions of Loki throughout this. Mm-hmm. And whether that means different versions within the timeline or different universe, you know, multiverse versions of Loki, or whether it means, I don't know, that that Loki, that this Loki ends up in a different form as he did in the comics, you know, whether, whether that's Kid Loki or whatever. But yeah, we, we, we obviously know Richard E. Grant has been cast. He doesn't appear in this, so he, he doesn't seem to be a TVA person unless he's a timekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I mean, the the rumor is that he was a version of Loki. So, you know, unless someone's got their wires crossed, it seems like that's possibly what's happening. Yeah. The thing that the thing that makes me sort of feel feel suspicious as well is that when when we were reading Ancient of Asgard, we actually didn't get to 
I think volume two or three where King Loki is introduced and King Loki is, you know, an older version of Loki from the future. No, we did. That was in the, that was, was that in there? Yeah, that was the final. We definitely talked about it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 So. So you think that that could, that Richard E. Grant could be the version of King Loki? Yeah, I think it's likely. I also, and uh, I guess slight production slash PR spoilers for the show, um, but an actress called Sofia DiMartino was pretty heavily wheeled out there at the premiere of the show. Lots of pictures alongside Tom Hiddleston. The rumours are that she could be playing either a female version of Loki or Enchantress. Um, so yeah, again, like the, the idea that we might be seeing different versions of Loki, I think is, you know, entirely possible. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's notable that in the credits, there's a, um, there's like a, a file on Loki that lists his gender as being fluid. Right. Yes. That is interesting. Yeah. So whether or not it happens, it's definitely something they've thought about. Oh God. But the, I really, I, again, that's one of those Disney things where I'm like, don't put an Easter egg in the credits. If you're not going to actually, if you're not going to address on, it on, no, on that with content in the show, that's, that's not good enough. If that, if, if we get through six episodes of the show, I think I'll be actively angry that they've put that in there rather than, mm -hmm. rather than actually acknowledging it in the course of the show. Yeah. Quite. Yeah. Um, any any final thoughts, James? Any like anyone that any anything else that stood out to you, or anything else that you're looking forward to as we go through this series? Um, so, one small point is that the use of the phrase "sacred timeline" interested me because I'm an X Men nerd, and right. uh, the the place I've heard that phrase before is uh, from Madame Sanctity, who was. Uh, a member of the Ascani, who were the cult that raised Cable. They were like a, the future X-Men of the year 3000 or whatever. 3,999, I think, actually. Um, they raised Cable, who was Scott and Jean's son. Right. Um, sorry, Scott and Madeline's son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Classic X-Men lore. Um <laughs> But yeah, she she was cons she she was called uh, Madame Sanctity, the Guardian of the Sacred Timeline. So it's interesting to me that they've pulled that phrase out of somewhere. I imagine I don't imagine it's something they arrived on independently. Um, so I'll be interested to see if there are any more Easter eggs along those lines. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, um, and the other thing is the use of the phrase uh, Nexus event. Yes, of course, we should definitely talk about that. So they referred to the Battle of New York being a Nexus event, mm. which would make sense because, um, you know, that's that's where Loki has disappeared from. It's also where the Avengers time traveled back to. Mm -hmm. um, but it also makes you wonder what, what then are other Nexus events? Um, yeah. And also, you know, Nexus, you know, we found out the Scarlet Witch is a Nexus being. I mean, was that was that confirmed within the show? Because I remember there was a Nexus. Um, yeah, no, I think it was. I, 
there was a Nexus advert. Did they refer to her as a Nexus being? I think or that was that's. That I think that's because we... I, I think we were speculating that the that the town would be like a With nexus. The nexus of realities. Yeah. yeah, but actually, I think what it turned out was that she was a Nexus being, and that's why she was, you know, so much more powerful. Yeah. And that she was, yeah, and that she had the chaos magic, etc. Yeah. Like, our, li- th- our listeners will know this better than us, and will will message us and confirm. I'm sure. The thing that interests me, though, is that one division was in some way leading to Doctor Strange, and it threw the word Nexus in there. Mm-hmm. This is written by the pe- by one of the people who wrote Doctor Strange too. This and this was also dropped as being something that would directly lead into the events of Doctor Strange when it was announced. Mm-hmm. So there, there will be so, something in there. Yeah, it feels like that's something that's going to come up. And I wonder if the reason they're checking this in there is because the nexus of realities is going to be in Doctor Strange. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It feels like something they're seeding without quite knowing where it's going yet. Because, you know, we've had two similar but different uses of the word nexus turning up. My um, theory that I don't actually believe, but I think it's just a fun one to throw out there. And it would be fun if... if, um if Marvel did this, would be that the variant is Scarlet Witch, <laughs> who is who has already gone, started searching for her children, and that's what she's. That's why she's wiping these people out. I mean, it's a nice idea. If it comes anywhere near close, I will give you ten pounds. Yes, I, I, as I say, I don't think it will be, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it at least flashed across my mind. And hey, that that devil had red horns, right? <laughs> little red horns like Scholar Witch's costume like, the, <laughs> like like the devil the, the thing is James if I just throw out as many theories as possible one of them will be true <laughs> people don't remember the wrong ones that's true <laughs> yeah they just, just messaged me that one time I got something right about Nick Fury <laughs> <laughs> right so James that was episode one of Loki um, I'm looking forward to spending the next six weeks with those people I was going to say I'm I'm kind of intrigued as well by Gugu and Bath and Raw who feels mm. like someone that is I, I'd be surprised if her character was that small also interesting that she seems to be the one character who communicates with the timekeepers mm. could, could she maybe be a timekeeper possibly I think they're unlikely to, to reverse something they've explicitly said is not true because her, her her character is like a, a, a like CD list Marvel character, isn't she? She's not got much going on in the comics. No, no, she's not. I didn't even recognise her from the comics, to be honest. I think she's. I think she has got some affiliation with Kang. Okay. Yeah. I'll have Maybe, to look that up for next week. Yeah, we'll look that up for next week. Okay, so listeners, we will be back to discuss episode two of Loki next week. So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get you these episodes out as close to the show being released as possible. Slightly messed with our schedules by moving them forwards from Wednesdays, from Fridays to Wednesdays, but what can you do? We are at the mercy <laughs> of the all-powerful mouse overlord. Uh, thank you for listening, <laughs> and we will see you next week. Goodbye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.